Yeah. It's really scary when you're lost and you don't know where to go, right? I know that happened to me once when I was a kid. I was at a really, really big store with my parents. And we were on one aisle. And I looked over. I remember, you know, my sister was here next to me, my parents and all that. Then I looked up and no one was there. I was by myself. So I walked to the next aisle. I was still by myself. I went, went back the other way. Maybe they were over here. No, they weren't anywhere. I couldn't find my parents anywhere while I was at this store. I had no idea where to go or what to do. And I realized that I needed some help. Now, do you guys know what to do if you get lost at a store? What do we do? Call security. Call security. Yeah. Pray. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Right, we go find someone who works there, right? So someone who has the uniform, the name badge, because we know that they're there to help, right? We, we don't go to a stranger, we go to someone we know that has the answer. You know, someone we know that can help us. So that's what I did. I found someone who was just working, they were doing their job, and I walked up. I said, Miss, I think I'm lost. And you know what she did? She took me to the front counter, they got on the intercom, and they got me back to my parents. So I was able to get guidance. Now, do you know who guides us in our everyday life? God, right? Because there's a lot of times where we don't know what to do and we don't know where to go. And you know, what, what, what holiday did we just do? What, what big celebration did we have? You just say it out loud real big. Amen. Christmas, right? That was great. Yeah, Jesus' birthday, right? Now, do you know what happened right after Jesus' birthday? Well, yeah, New Year's did just happen, yes. But in the Bible, do you know what happened next? Yeah? We had, yeah, the, three, the, the wise men came out. They gave the gifts and all that. But you know... Yeah, they had to run away to Egypt. And we know why. It's because there was a king, King Herod who heard about this new king being born in Bethlehem. You know, he was not happy about that at all. So he wanted all of his soldiers to go out and find all the kids and round them up so he could get rid of them because he didn't want another king taking over. So Mary and Joseph and Jesus, who was a kid, they had to run away. They had to leave Israel. And they didn't know where to go. But you know what? God guided them to Egypt where they were safe. And God kept them safe here. And you're going to learn more about that in your class today. So thank you so much, kids, for coming out. Big hand for them again, everyone. Oh, wow. Thank you. So real question for everyone who's still in here. How are your knees? Mine, uh, man, uh, kind of jealous of the kids there. And you know what the worst part of all that was? My kids were just up front there. My son, standing right over here, he's staring at me and laughing at me as I'm trying to do all those dances. <laughs> I'm going to get revenge somehow, some way. I just haven't figured it out yet. Well, how's everyone's New Year's going? Yeah. Mine's been pretty good. I actually just started a brand new job and a few other things. So lots going on in life. And I'm excited to be back here in front of you again. Uh, Mike and Sandra are out. They are on a quick little vacation. They'll be back soon. 
Need a little drink of water after a leg day there. And uh, we're going to get right into it here. Uh, Bridget, can I borrow you? <laughs> it's great when there's an oh man. I must have a reputation now or something. Yeah. yeah so just come right up here. If you just want to like stand right here by this uh, front stool here. So I've got two gift bags. One for me, one for you. I just need you to pick one for me, and you can just wait. That one right there, okay? <laughs> now, when you picked it, did you mean that you wanted to keep it, or did you want to give it to me? Keep. keep it. Okay, perfect. Can you put your hand right there for me? Are you right or left-handed? Left? Okay, good. Your right hand. I want to switch. So here's the deal. <laughs> When Bridget made a choice, she had no idea what was in these bags. I do, but I promise I'm going to honor her choice no matter what might happen to be in there. Because you see, what's about to happen is I'm going to open this bag and dump its contents on Brittany's hand. How do you feel about spiders? That wasn't that bad, right? No. <laughs> I'm sure you're wondering what would have happened if you picked that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That probably wouldn't have felt great, would it? <laughs> so there's a reason for all this. I'm going to trip on that at some yeah. point. It's going to be <laughs> terrible when it happens to You don't have to keep your hand on the stool anymore. (laughs) So, you know, Brittany, right now, if I were to apologize to you for the psychological torment and dropping a foam block on your hand, would would you forgive me? Okay, pretty easy, right? How easy would it be for you to forgive me if I had dropped a brick on your hand? A little harder, right? By the way, if I'm repeating you a lot, it's because you're not mic'd up and the people at home need to hear. Uh, so I promise I'm not hard of hearing or anything. The dementia is not setting in yet. Now, how much harder would it be to forgive me if I didn't even apologize? If I just went, meh. Impossible. Okay. Yeah, it would take, it would take a lot of time before you kind of go like, maybe I'll let that go. Yeah. What if I... You know, when you said, hey, that wasn't cool, what if I had an attitude like, well, you deserved it. You picked a bag. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. Now it's getting even harder at that point. And where I'm going with all this today is we're going to be talking about making amends and forgiveness. And a big thing with this that we'll be talking about is some things are pretty easy to forgive. Some things not so much. Some things are a little foam block and some things are a brick. So thank you, Bridget, for helping me out with that. You'll get a nice round of applause for your help. And now I get to move everything again. I'm getting to the point I just need to hire stagehands whenever I'm out here. Anyone want a phone block? It's right there now. Just talk amongst yourselves.
So, how many of you have made a New Year's resolution this year? Like five, really? Okay. <laughs> Not as popular as they used to be, I guess. Um, I haven't made a resolution this year, but I've been making a lot of changes. You know, in fact, I, I've kind of gone off the idea of New Year's resolutions because they tend to last until about February, and that's it. So where I've been at is deciding that I'm just going to be making changes. Anyone else been making changes in their life recently? Yeah. Oh, the same people. Okay, I guess that makes sense. One thing that we overlook when we're making changes, we'll, we'll remember, okay, I've got to maybe change the way I'm eating. Maybe I change the kind of content I'm interacting with. Maybe I change the people that I'm hanging out with or whatever else. We make these changes focusing inwards, but sometimes we forget that there's a very important key part to making ourselves better and getting better. And that is our relationship with the people around us. And a big part of that is making amends. You see, this is a really interesting thing. So anyone who's heard me talk before knows that I work with Celebrate Recovery quite a bit. Uh, making amends is one of the key steps as you're going through the recovery process. And it's because when you have, when you don't have amends with someone, it's actually going to be holding you back. It's going to be holding you down. It's almost like a chain. And whether uh, it's you forgiving someone or you needing to be forgiven, amends are important. And that's really what the core comes down to, is forgiving and being forgiven. And the Bible says a lot about forgiveness, you know, God's forgiveness to us. That's, that's part of the key to our salvation, right? Um, but we're not talking about that sort of forgiveness. We're talking about making amends to people who have harmed us, and uh, making amends with people that we've harmed. And why is that so important? Well, there's a lot of studies, and there's a million Bible verses around forgiveness. And I know the last couple series that we've been doing with Mike has been pretty Bible study heavy. This message today is going to be a little bit lighter than that. We're going to be looking a little bit more on the practical side of forgiveness and being forgiven. But whether it's from the Bible or from, say, the American Psychological Association or the Mayo Clinic or all sorts of different biblical and secular sources, it's very clear that amends is a key process to a healthy person. You see, whenever we haven't made amends, the reason why it's so important is because unresolved conflicts will cause immense damage to us and to the people that are in our lives. D does anyone know someone who has an estranged family member? I mean, I know I do. I've seen bitter things between parents and children or between siblings who refuse to talk to each other, refuse to have any kind of interaction. Those relationships are just gone. Um, anyone lost a friend over a disagreement? I know I lost quite a few in the last couple of years. 2020 was not great for my friends list. And more importantly than that, more importantly than it damaging those relationships, it damages our relationship with God. We're not in step with God when we withhold forgiveness or don't seek forgiveness. And there's... there's uh, a lot to it. There's a lot of reasons why God wants that. But there's two key things that I wanted to look at with you just right out the bat, just to show how much Jesus stresses the importance of forgiveness. 
The first is in the Beatitudes. This is in Matthew 5. This is uh, Matthew 5, 7 and 5, 9 from the New Living Translation. God blesses those who are merciful, for they'll be shown mercy. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God makes it very clear there's a lot of blessing behind forgiveness. You get a lot out of it. It's something that you're not giving to them. It's something that happens inside of you. And more importantly, it's not just a blessing. It's also a command. Consider this from a little bit further down the chapter. This is in 523 to 24. It's right after he's finished the Beatitudes. And he's been talking about anger and resentment and holding stuff against your fellow brothers in Christ. Uh, and it says, so if you're, if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice. So I wanted to give you that baseline. There's two parts to this, right? When we are forgiving people and we're practicing amends, we get a blessing, it's also a command, right? We see it right here. For anyone who's not familiar, before Jesus came for us, before what we call the New Covenant or um, our, our basically the, our salvation, the way it works today through our faith in Jesus, you had to make a sacrifice for your sin. You had to pay for your sins. That's what making a sacrifice at the altar was. You were going there to reconcile yourself with God and say, hey, I've committed sins. Here's my payment for these sins. This is Jesus saying right here, I don't even want to see your sacrifice until you've made things right with the people around you. And just consider that for a moment. God's saying, I need you to consider how you are with other people before we have a talk. That's how important this concept is. And a lack of forgiveness will typically, and a lack of being forgiven, there's two parts to this, will typically show itself in two ways. One is resentment, and the other way is through guilt and shame. Now, I've just listed a few things that each of them do, and you'll, you'll notice they're kind of similar here. Resentment bleeds into other areas of our lives. You know, if you really have this grudge against someone over here, that's going to manifest itself elsewhere. I mean, I know when I'm having a bad time with someone, when I've just had a disagreement, I've had an argument... I know at work they know something's up, right? You know, I'm not doing great. Or if I'm having trouble with one family member, you know, the rest of the family is definitely not getting my best self, right? Because there's something wrong inside of me there. And it makes us miserable. You know, when we're in conflict with someone, when we haven't reconciled, that kind of just burns within us. I I can tell you that before I really got back in my walk with Christ, I was a very resentful person in general. I had a lot of resentments toward my family, my parents especially. I can remember just having nights where I would just sit alone in a dark room just fuming about all the stuff that had happened in my life. And it damages our walk with Christ. You know, when you feel that way, you're not ready to humble yourself. You're not ready to be thankful. You're not ready to be graceful. And those are the things that Christ requires of us. Now, notice with guilt and shame, for the most part, it's doing the same thing, but guilt and shame isolate us. And this is mostly going to be happening when you need to be forgiven about something. When you need to go forward to someone and say, hey, I did something wrong. Can we talk about this? We don't, want, we, we don't do it because that guilt builds up inside of us. 
And we go, man, I know I was wrong, but there's no way I can talk to that person again. I can't face them. And so we let that relationship decay and die, and we let ourselves be alone, which isn't a great place to be in. So we're going to talk about today forgiving others and then asking for forgiveness because Christ wants us to live without this resentment and without this guilt and shame. And if we can let go of those things, that's when we can really start to grow and start to move forward. So let's start with forgiving others. And, and really, what, what is forgiving others? Well, it's, it's a choice, right? It's a decision to release your anger and resentments. It's not something that's just going to happen on its own one day. You're not going to wake up and say, oh, yeah, I, I guess I've forgiven my dad for, you know, yelling at me when I was a kid and making me cry. Yeah, yeah, I'm over it. That's, that's not how it works. You might wake up one day and say, hey, I'm ready to forgive him. And you go ahead and do it, but it won't happen on its own. You have to decide uh, to to uh, to release the anger and the resentment for them. And this goes a step beyond just getting over it. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. And again, the Bible uh, is very clear on this. Colossians three thirteen. Again, New Living Translation. Make make allowances. Should say allowances uh, for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. There, so there's, there's a trade-off here, and it's just like we were talking about with the altar, where God's saying, this is my gift to you, but you've got to share this gift. This can't be something that just stays with you. And I like the way it words it, is make an allowance for each other's faults, right? It's a reminder to us that, hey, they, they've got problems, I've got problems too, I need to have some level of consideration about that. And, you know, there's a lot of benefits to forgiving people once you get to that point. If you are able to make that allowance and you are able to share that forgiveness. Um, the list that I have up here, this, is, this comes from a mix of, of the American Psychological Association and the Mayo Clinic. So these are, like, scientific sources, right, where they've studied people. They've studied psychology. And they've studied people's lives when they hold on to resentments versus when they forgive people. And people who forgive others typically have improved mental health fewer symptoms of depression, greater self-esteem, lower blood pressure, a stronger immune system, and longer life. Like, it affects you physically when you don't forgive people. I mean, just, just think about that. When you hold on to all those resentments, that is actually doing damage to you and your body. There's a reason why God pushes so hard for it. So then why is it so hard for us to actually forgive people? I mean... Honestly, if this was easy, we would all just say, oh, yeah, I want a better immune system and a longer life. Sure, I'll just forgive everyone, and we'd be done with it, right? But that doesn't happen. We do hold on to resentments. And, and why is that? Well, one of the main reasons is that we remember the pain. And that pain is always strongest right in the moment, right? Like I was talking about with Bridget and the brick here. If I had just dropped that brick on her hand it would take some time for her to forgive me. She would literally remember the pain of that brick dropping. But it's not just about physical pain. Think about the last time a loved one betrayed you, right? That hurts. That stings really bad. Or if you've had a friend betray your trust, if you have someone that you really confided in and then you realized that they weren't honoring that confidentiality, oh, that's not a great feeling, is it? 
And I'm sure all of us have experienced that at some point. And when we think about that and we think about that pain, it's very difficult to be able to forgive them. And the pain will sometimes alleviate over time, and it might soften us a little, but it might not. It might have been something that was so strong those wounds are still with us and we continue to carry them. Another reason why it's really hard to forgive people is we feel like we're in control. It's kind of a a pride thing. Remember I said before, forgiveness is a choice, right? You can choose if you're going to forgive that other person or not. And, you know, I'll admit it, I do this sometimes. I've done it in the past. I was pretty bad about it in the past. When that person comes back to you and is willing to say sorry, but you don't accept their apology, it's because you know you have something you can kind of hold over them, right? It's like, you hurt me. Now I'm hurting you by choosing not to forgive you. I have control in this situation now. I'm the one who decides when things are okay or not, and I'm not going to let that go. I'm going to hold on to that for as long as, as I can. Another reason is that we could have been in the right. So if you think about uh, disagreements you have with everyone, anyone, not everyone, hopefully you don't have disagreements with everyone. If you think about the disagreements that you've had with people where things have gotten heated, I'm sure there were plenty of times where you felt in the absolute right. Um, You might have been in the absolute objective right. You were correct in that argument. And again, I think back to, back to 2020, 2021, especially, you know, I had to duck off of social media for a good while because people I knew and I really liked were saying some crazy things. And I was, like I mentioned before, losing some friendships over it. And it's because I didn't want to drop it. I'd want to, I would want to keep going. I would want to keep saying, no, you're wrong. I'm right. You need to agree that I'm right. And we can't move past this until you do. Instead of just saying, I'm going to drop it. And this, this might be you to, a, to some degree or another. I'm really bad about that. I really want to be in the right. And I really want people to acknowledge that I'm right. But there's a, there's a phrase, if that is you, that I want you to consider. Uh, you might have heard this before. Would you rather be right? Or would you rather be happy? There's a, now, I'm going to change that a little bit further. Would you rather be right? Or would you rather be healed? Because until you're re- willing to let that go, your spiritual healing can't continue. And then... Finally, and this is probably one of the biggest things, is we don't want to condone the other person's behavior. Now, this is specifically in situations where we were very much the target of some kind of hurt. So I'm not talking about just some kind of petty disagreement, but someone's really harmed us in one way or another. And there's this feeling or this misconception that forgiving someone is going to suddenly make everything square. And it's going to say, hey, I'm okay with what you did. It's fine. Let's just move on. Um, and that's, that's not the case. Forgiveness is not giving the perpetrator a free pass. So if that's, if that's the idea that you have of forgiveness, that's not it. In fact, the forgiveness isn't about them at all. It's kind of a weird thing to say, right? Because like I said before, it feels like when we're giving forgiveness, we're giving them something. This is, again, internal for you to let this go. I'll give you uh, 
a somewhat extreme example here from CR. Uh, there was a, a gentleman I worked with for a long time, and unfortunately, uh, one of his sons, when, when his son was very little, was abused by one of his trusted mentors. Okay. I've got two little kids myself. You know, you might have seen like the little tiny giggling blonde child right here. That, that's my boy, right? And I just cannot imagine what I would do if someone hurt my boy. That's that's nearly impossible for me to even process without getting into some kind of distress. And I remember working with this guy and him saying, how could I possibly forgive that person? How could I do that? Because then that's just letting him off, right? Um, And and we were talking about this because he was going to have to be testifying about this coming up soon. And and, and, you know, I, I had to talk with him being like, look, you forgiving him has nothing to do with him paying for his crime. And I don't have it in the notes here, but I found something very interesting while I was getting this put together and researching this. I mentioned those Beatitudes earlier, uh, Matthews 5, 7 and 5, 9. You know, they're talking about blessed are the merciful, blessed are the peacemakers, whatever. The one that comes between them, Matthew 5, 8, says that blessed are those who hunger for justice, for they'll see justice served. So make no mistake, forgiveness is not giving someone a pass. Where I think we get confused is in the way that we've been forgiven by God. You see, we feel like, well, God forgave me and he absolved all my sins. I don't have any penalties. So that must be what the forgiveness is. Uh, That's really not the whole story. Our salvation is because Christ paid the price for us. Not because he, he paid the price for us because he forgave us, but the reason we're saved is because he paid that price. And you have to accept that he made that payment for you. It's not about the forgiveness piece. Yes, they are coming together. But my whole point with this is when you forgive someone else, you're not giving them that free pass. You're just deciding that you're not going to let the anger and resentment rule over you anymore. So if you are in a situation where you're having a hard time forgiving someone, what can you do? Well, the first thing is pray. That's the absolute most important thing. If you're finding somewhere that you have a resentment, you have an anger towards someone, and you just can't seem to let that go, pray immediately. We've all heard the Lord's Prayer before. It's Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Um, I've got the NIV version up here. I'm not going to just talk through the whole thing, but I've highlighted the line, uh, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors, Right? This is the prayer that Jesus told people, if you're going to pray to God, pray this way. One of the key pieces to that is praying for the ability to forgive others as we've been forgiven. In the New Living Translation, I like it a little bit better. It says, uh, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. So again, step one there is going to be to pray about it. Number two is have empathy and compassion. So remember that verse we were looking at before where it says make an allowance for other people's faults. The way you do that is you try to understand them and try to think about, you know, what was this like coming from their side? Um, So that's the empathy side. The compassion side is saying, hey, I realize that they're a broken person. They've gone through something. You know, I I had a coworker a long time ago that I could just never, ever get along with. And uh, again, it was was tough for me at the time because I really wasn't, in my walk with Christ. But nowadays it is a little bit easier when I'm able to have some compassion for him because I realized that he had a very broken life at the time that I knew him. He was going through a divorce. The wife was likely getting the kids in the house. 
Like he was probably going to have like zero custody. And so he was not in a great place. So when I think about some of the times that he would come against me, he would say things against me, while I don't excuse his behaviors, I can at least say, hey, he was going through something. That makes it easier for me to forgive him. The last, the last thing that we can do, uh, and what I personally find the hardest, is remembering that we had a part, right? If we're in some kind of interpersonal conflict, in most cases, it takes two to tango, right? We're not in a situation where, you know, they're just being a jerk for no good reason, and that's really what's happened. Any time that you have a resentment with someone, one of the things that I would really encourage you to do is to stop and break down the situation and say, what did I do to hurt them while they were hurting me? And I think if you really go through that openly and honestly, you'll be pretty shocked how often you do have a part. Now, very, very big key caveat right here. If you were ever a victim of abuse, I don't care what type of abuse that was, verbal, physical, it doesn't matter. If you are a victim of abuse, you do not have a part in that. There, there is no excuse for someone abusing you. Um, what you can do, though, is look more internally at yourself and, and giving yourself the permission to realize, okay, I didn't have a part in that. Because one of the things that makes that sort of forgiveness twisted, if, if, you are, if you're trying to forgive an abuser, which I can think of, very few things that are harder to do than abusing a, an abu- forgiving an abuser is to allow yourself to realize, I didn't make that happen. You, you can ignore the lie that you had some kind of part in it. That, in that case, is the key to being able to forgive those people, is to fully understand the extent of that hurt. So that's about forgiving others. And I know I'm, I'm going kind of quick here. I want to be... be uh, be good with your time here. Um, but this is, this is a, a topic that we could go on and on and on about. Those are the key real bullets. And, and just the next time you're trying to forgive someone, try to think through those things. The other side of this, though, is, of course, the times that we need forgiveness, where we need to ask someone to forgive us. And those two things go hand in hand. I find that people either have a really easy time forgiving people but cannot accept forgiveness. They don't think they're worthy about it or whatever else. Or they have a really easy time accepting forgiveness but have a really hard time forgiving others. It it seems that there's always some weird balance. I, I have yet to meet a person where they're equally able or unable to do both of them. But both of them are a part of making amends. Both of them are a part of reconciliation. You seeking forgiveness is just as important as you uh, giving forgiveness. When it comes to asking for forgiveness, I have just a few things to keep in mind here. Um, when you go to someone and you try to reconcile, focus on your part and your part alone. It's really easy to say, yeah, I'm, I'm really sorry that I yelled at you and said some inappropriate things when you were just a jerk to me. You do it that way, all you're doing is throwing blame back at them again. You're not really going forward. So you're focusing only at your, on your part. You need to acknowledge the harm that you've caused. And this is tough whenever you feel like you're in that situation where you feel like you're in the right 
you know, just like I was saying before, that's hard to forgive someone when you feel like you're right. It's even harder to ask for forgiveness because you may not have intended to hurt someone. That may not have been your idea at all, but you may have unintentionally done so. Um, there was there was a time, you know, when my daughter Brooklyn was really young. Um, I, I remember that my my dad kind of blew up. Uh, I can't remember what what it was over. He was just I think he like hit his head on something or whatever else. So he was kind of cussing up a storm right in front of my little daughter. And I remember I snapped at him like, you're not talking that way in front of my child, which then made the whole situation blow up. Now, I still think I'm right for saying something. I think I'm right for saying, hey, you're not going to talk that way in front of my kid. At the same time, I know that I fed in to what he was going through. I was escalating that situation. So later on when I had a discussion with him, I said, look, I snapped back at you when you when you blew up. Um, I made the situation more stressful for you, and, I, and I'm sorry, sorry for that. And I opened with that. And, you know, amazingly, me and my dad always had a hard time communicating. Um, this was, by the way, when I was just getting into CR and learning some of this stuff. I was amazed suddenly he and I were able to have a conversation at that point. And we were able to talk through what the problem was. And you know what? He's actually honored that. He has watched himself around my kids. He's watched his language around them. But if I hadn't gone back there and admitted that that part, I probably never would have had that talk with him. Another thing is to expect nothing in return. There's a really good chance that whoever you go to ask forgiveness from isn't ready to forgive you yet. And we'll, we'll be talking about that a little bit more. But if you go to someone with the expectation that they're going to say, yeah, we're good, everything's square, you might be disappointed with that. And you need to be willing to accept that. And a step further, be prepared for rejection. They may tell you, forget that noise. I want nothing to do with you. But that's okay because you've done your part. You've done what you've been commanded to do by God. You've, done, you've kept your side of the street clean. Right? That's really what we're going for here. And remember, when you go to talk to them, if someone's rejecting you, they just may not be ready. That pain may still be too fresh for them, and they may not be able to even consider it or think about it, or there might be other things going on. They could very well be hostile to you. I remember during my amends process, going and speaking with someone who just spent 10 minutes laying out why I was the worst person on the planet. And I really wanted to respond to a few things that they said. But all that would have been doing is fueling that, that tension even further and making things worse. So if you are going to make amends with someone, especially if there's some history there, there may be some hostility. And that's okay. That's, that's part of them working through their hurt. You also have to remember, and this, this was a, a tough one, you can't force them to talk. You know, a lot of times if we're ready to ask for forgiveness, we expect that the other person is going to be willing to hear us out. We expect it almost as a courtesy, right? They may not be willing to. They may say that they never, ever want to talk to you again. They may have passed on. They may have moved and you don't have contact. There's a million reasons why you may not actually be able to have a conversation with that person but you can still do a few things. For example, you could write a letter to them that maybe you share with a mentor or one of your accountability partners. You can still get those same feelings out, even if you're not able to speak with them directly. And if it's a situation where they're not ready, just be patient. 
Someday they may be ready, but they may not be. But don't try to force that conversation. And then just like forgiving them, asking for forgiveness really isn't about them so much. It's, again, about you following God's direction and you trying to uh, make things right uh, as far as you're able to. Uh, But just as before, when I had a big caveat, I've got a big caveat on this one as well. Do not attempt to contact someone if it would harm them or harm someone else. If you're trying to make amends, you know, there's... There was a, a situation, uh, again, I have to be very vague on details when it comes to CR, uh, but there was a situation where someone wanted to apologize to one of their exes for the way that they had treated them. So in this case, this person had been abusive toward their spouse. And at, they had separated long ago, And the spouse had remarried, had a new life, new family, and everything else going on. This person wanted to be able to go and make amends to them. But to do so, to get in contact with this person, would have opened up past traumas. It would have disrupted their life. It would have disrupted their family. It would not have been appropriate for them to have tried to reach out. So they they had to make amends. Another Now, I can tell you, because I knew this person for a few years... Um, A few years later, they did have an opportunity to make an amends. So just because the time's not right right now doesn't mean it never will be, but there happened to be a situation where they were able to communicate with them. Uh, It was actually, it was a, not to get too far off on a rabbit trail, it was a funeral of a mutual, mutual friends of theirs, and they still didn't get in direct contact, but they basically had someone else deliver a letter. And that was, and the letter was just saying, hey, I was a jerk, I'm sorry, you never have to talk to me again. Um... And that w- they were able to start a conversation from there and eventually, I don't know, f- fully reconcile, but at least this person was able to get their peace out. And this is kind of a heavy topic, sorry. It, it ended up getting a little, a little deeper than, than I had expected, and I know it's, all, it's, it's really easy to sit up here and think, you should forgive people, you should ask for forgiveness, but in practice it's tough. And I'm sure that more than a few of you, in the, in the brief time I've been up here, you've been thinking through some of those things in your life. As I've given some examples, I'm sure stuff has come up in your mind. And you've thought, yeah, I do have a problem with this person still. Or, man, I really, you know, I've been putting off trying to make amends with this person over here. Those things may have come up with you. I just want to, again, encourage you as much as you possibly can to pray about it and think through it. I know I have lots of things I, I still need to work on. I've been doing CR for seven years now. And at this point, I'm still finding past resentments that I need to take care of. I'm still finding past relationships that I need to heal. And sometimes this is where it gets a little more meta, right? Sometimes it's not even an exact person. Sometimes it might be a concept that you need to forgive. You know, when I was growing up in the, you know, in the, the 90s, early 2000s, in the youth groups, there was this huge movement um, that was all about how young people shouldn't even consider dating unless they're about to get married. So if you're not ready to get married, you're not supposed to date. And this, the, the, the thoughts, the, you know, the, the intention was good. What it resulted in was a bunch of young people convincing themselves they were ready to get married when they weren't and having a tough time of it. I was one of those. I was 20, Amy was 19 when we got married. Our marriage should not have survived. We both had biblical justification for getting a divorce. I tell people all the time, 
Um, the reason I know that God exists is because he saved my marriage because that marriage had no place. I still hold resentments to those, to those youth groups and, and those, those teachings. And, and it's, it's something that I, I need to work on. Sometimes it's God that we need to forgive. And it seems like an odd concept. You know, creator of the universe sacrificed his son for us. But we hold resentments against him. And, it, and that's one where I find, at least for myself, I don't like to acknowledge that when that's the case. I was like, no, 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 of course I don't hold resentments against God. But then again, I do wonder why God let me be exposed to some of these false teachings over here that led me astray for so long. So in all areas of your life, look for, look for things, look for people, whatever it is. Maybe it's yourself. Maybe there are things in your past that you haven't forgiven yourself for. You know, it's possible to make amends with yourself. Did you know that? So I encourage everyone, if you can, when you go out of here, try to think through those things in your life. Try to figure out what's holding you back. What, what are you still holding on to? And pray through it. And don't do it alone. Do not do this alone. Find your accountability partners. Find your mentors. If you don't have someone, if you don't know anyone that you can go to, join a small group. Come to church functions. We have Sunday schools before church. Get some kind of support group behind you because you're not going to get through this process on your own. It's painful. It can be painful for one. It's very freeing. Don't get me wrong, people. I'm not just saying go torture yourselves. The rewards are absolutely worth it. But it can be tough to go through. So you need that support team to help you through it. And I want you to remember, I'm going to go back to Matthew 5, 7 and 5, uh, 5 9. God blesses those who are merciful for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called children of God. There is a blessing waiting for you. You just need to be willing to make that choice to take it. Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you for the time that we've had this morning. I want to thank you for the gift of forgiveness that you've given us. And this is a a supernatural gift that you've given us, Lord. This is not something that comes from us, but it comes from you. So I pray that you give each person here the courage to go through their lives and the courage to find the areas that they need to be willing to forgive or they need to be willing to ask for forgiveness. And remind them, Lord, that they're not on their own. You're with them every step of the way. As we go back out into our lives and back out into the world, it's a tough place out there right now. It's a scary place. So remind us all that we're never alone every step of the way. Thank you for the forgiveness that you've given us. Thank you for telling us that you've moved on, that you've forgiven those sins. And thank you more than anything else, Lord, for, for making the sacrifice for us and, and for paying the price. It's like I said earlier, Lord, I, I wouldn't let anyone touch my son. I wouldn't let anyone hurt my boy. But you let your boy get hurt for me. Thank you, God, for that gift. And always put that in perspective for me when I need to be offering forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen.